If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. People don't realize the size of some of these guys that are moving around. That's, that's the number one thing that people tell me when they see me when they've never met me before. And they recognize me. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know you were that tall. Like, yeah, I'm 6'4", I'm 6'5", six, six, and I'm the small guy. Like, that's, <laughs> you look that's, small to me. Yeah, yeah. You look small to me. <laughs> like, I can say. take him. I can take yeah, him. Yeah, I, I got that guy. <laughs> give, him, give him my yeah, fadeaway, fadeaway jumper. Hi, I'm Alex Caruso, and I am a professional basketball player, golf savant, and overall good guy. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Off the Beat. This is your host, Brian Baumgartner. And as you just heard, today's guest is none other than NBA star. Alex Caruso, or maybe you know him by one of his many, many nicknames, Bald Mamba, Bald Eagle, Caruso, or as LeBron James likes to call him, the GOAT. And even if you don't regularly watch the NBA, you're missing out, by the way, you have undoubtedly seen Alex as, well, a meme, an internet meme. He's a presence, to say the least. Uh, Alex in college was a part of one of the most memorable comebacks in March Madness history, a game I still remember when his Texas A&M Aggies defeated Northern Iowa in 2016. He then went on to sign the first ever two-way contract in NBA history with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, this means he played for both the NBA and the Development League at the same time. Alex slowly worked his way onto the NBA roster and 
He helped the Lakers take the championship back in 2020. After that, he moved to the Bulls. And just this year, he was named to his first NBA all-defensive first team. Today, we're going to dive into Alex's career from his high school days in College Station to his taste of victory with the Lakers to his, well, social media popularity and his favorite nickname. He's been called an underrated player, but, well, he's one of my favorites. Here he is, the GOAT, Caruso, Alex Caruso. Bubble and squeak. I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up? Hey, Brian, what's going on, man? <laughs> what's up, White Mamba? Not much, not much. This is the... Uh... This is the calm before the storm part of the year for me. Calm. Are you? Where are you right now? I'm back in Chicago. Are you working out? Are you preparing? How does this work right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, most professional athletes will say like the work never really stops, right? It's been a long summer because we didn't have a great year last year, but we just started getting in the gym for a couple of weeks. Been working out here at the facility. And like you said, just getting ready for it. We are moments away from your first preseason games for the 23-24 season. Have you started officially practicing together yet or no? No, not yet. Monday we leave. We're actually doing training camp in Nashville this year, which is, you know, absurd destinations or <laughs> obscure, I guess, not absurd, but uh we'll we'll start practicing on on Tuesday next week. All right. Yeah. Are you excited? Are you excited for the season to start? I'm always excited for the season to start, but training camp, you know, that's a different, that's a different question, man. Those things takes you back to, to college practices where it's two, two and a half hours and you're getting after it every day. That's actually what I was just about to ask you. Is it like a lot of running? Like, do you, do they still have you do that? Are you still doing the, what is it called where you have to touch the line and go back? Suicides. Do you have to do suicides? No, no, it's not. It's not quite to the level of that. Um, All right. But I mean, most of it, like we, we, until we're working out, right? So we're playing pickup a couple times a week. We're having one day where it's just running, conditioning. But that's kind of the, that's kind of like the expectation as you come into camp and in a certain kind of shape. That's like the professionalism of it. Okay. Um, But yeah, thank God, dude. I hated those. Those, those were never, (laughs) I don't think there's a single person, like it was, it was a coach's favorite thing just to make you run suicides and all the players just hated it. Yeah, I know. And that, well, they, cause they don't have to do when they just are watching you run suicides. They don't yeah, know. It's just the power dynamic. It's just like, it's like exactly. It's like, yeah. Go run. All right. Well, let's go back to your childhood. Now your dad, I learned played basketball at mm-hmm. Creighton yep. college ball mm-hmm. and was still is associate athletic director at Texas A&M. Is that right? Well, was, was. He's retired was. now. Um, okay, good for and, him. Me and my two sisters graduated from A&M all within a six-year span. And then once we once all the kids are gone, him and my mom, both a couple of years shortly after, retired. But yeah, he was at A&M for 30 years working in the athletic department. And then my mom worked in human resources at A&M. Um, and still oh, does, wow. She still does some office of admission stuff on the side now just to stay busy. But yeah, dude, we're, we're 
we've been drinking the Kool-Aid from a young age. <laughs> right. So, gro- so growing up there, uh, because not only did you go to A&M for college, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. you went to A&M Consolidated High School as well. Now, so basketball, this was a part of your DNA from the very beginning. Yeah, honestly, sports in general was just because, like I said, my dad was one of the associate athletic directors and he basically ran all the home sporting events from the big hitters from football and basketball down to like track and field equestrian, like the ones that have just, you know, even a couple hundred to a thousand fans. And I would tag along anytime I could. And obviously basketball was, you know, kind of the mainstay that that and football just growing up in Texas. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, growing up, I was I was heavily involved in sports and just kind of outside at any given time of the day. Were you was basketball always the sport that was like your sport, or did it start with something else? No, that was always the one. Okay. I want to say I started playing in in first or second grade. You know, just like city league kind of competition stuff. Like everyone gets a trophy at the end of the year type deal. Right. Played flag football fifth and sixth grade, and then you know regular school tackle football from seventh to ninth grade and then after my ninth grade year I made I made varsity as a freshman basketball and once I got a taste of that I was kind of like yeah I I like playing basketball a whole lot more than I like waking up at 6 a.m and putting pads on and hitting people (laughs) in 100 in 100 degree heat so I was I I hung it up I retired but then I just got bored later in in high school and I would do uh, I did high jump and track and field my junior and senior year Oh, because was that at the end of the year? Track yeah, it was field? in the spring, and I had nothing to do. I was you playing, had nothing else. Yeah, I was playing travel ball, but other than that, just bored. You just mentioned you made varsity basketball your freshman year. I assume you were never cut from the team. So four years uh, at the end of your high school, you were a four-star recruit, nas- a top one hundred national recruit. Yeah, fringe, but yeah. Well. <laughs> third best shooting guard in texas and 15th best shooting guard in the nation according to espn and ninth according to scout.com so you probably like them better (laughs) were you recruited to multiple schools or was it just a done deal that you were gonna go to yeah that's a great question because it was it was really kind of wacky the way it happened like i was a late bloomer as far as like college recruiting like i played on varsity all four years, but my freshman, sophomore year, we weren't very good. Okay. And that's kind of what helped me stay on the team was just like, I was good enough to be on our average teams. And then I kept getting better and kept getting better. And then after my junior season, going into that spring between junior and senior year was like the last year that you play AAU basketball. And I had a couple really, really good tournaments in Vegas and in Denver kind of the same same way I play now where I had a couple highlight dunks and then the rest of my game was just really like based on heart and playing hard and, and making the right plays and nobody really knew who I was and so I got I mean I got calls from just about everybody and that was the big question a lot of them had was you know is it worth our time with a you know nine months left in this guy's recruitment to even even call him because he's from College Station and dad works in the athletic department but I tell people all the time I was really, really close to going somewhere else. And the only other Where? place I considered was Colorado. Okay. Tad Boyle was the head coach. Mike Rohn was an assistant coach who was at AM previously when I was in middle school. And I had okay. actually played basketball with him at the park before. Like we played one on one, like three dribble one on one in seventh grade. 
and then he moved on. But I just got a great vibe from, you know, the coaching staff. And then they took me to Boulder in like, you know, the beginning of September when it's perfect and, you know, there's no snow. <laughs> right. And it was like, right. a, you know, a college scene out of a movie where there's just, you know, people playing Frisbee in a big field and people like laying on Hacky blankets. Sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real American pie vibes. It was just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is great. But yeah, that that was it. How close was it? it? It was close. I think I think just at the end of the day, I had grown up such a big fan of AM. Like I don't think I was gonna be able to look back on it and not regret passing up the opportunity. I thought I thought I'd had to take it, whether it was, you know, the right decision or wrong decision. Just to have the have the chance to go to AM for me was was a pretty special thing. But Colorado was close, man. I, I really liked Colorado. You and Dion, apparently. Yeah, I was a I was the first one, you know. I set the trend. <laughs> You mentioned AAU ball. I know you played for the Texas Ambassadors. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little about this. And I know basketball is so nuts mm-hmm. with these side camps and the tournaments and the AAU ball and all of the traveling. I mean, all of that investment that these parents are are putting in that may or may not work out. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like for you, playing high school basketball versus the AAU stuff, what what for you was more valuable or what do you think is more valuable? I think the AAU is more valuable just from an aspect of like, if you're not a top 40 recruit in the country, I don't think coaches really come to your high school games. Like if you, you know, you're not one of these heralded guys that, that people already know about, you have to go to these tournaments and you have to play against good competition or, or the guys that they say are the guys right? Uh, in front of these coaches and, and, and in front of these people who run, you know, the websites, the scout.com, the ESPN.com, just to, right. you know, gain some favor, some attention. And when you're there, cause you see, I don't know. I feel like I've seen, you know, the video on ESPN or Fox sports or whatever of, of some of these games. And you look up in the stands and there's mm-hmm. like Shashevsky and Patino mm-hmm. and, all of the, the the old school coaches are like are like taking a look. Did you experience that? Like, were you suddenly there and seeing some of these coaches at these these universities that you respected? Yeah, definitely. That was part of the experience for me. That was kind of cool. It was just like I I told you I jumped onto the scene late, so I had a couple of those tournaments where I played in this one called the Easter Classic in Vegas, which was a big one, which had a bunch of the big power five schools. And whether it was the head coach or one of the assistants, I knew who these people were and they all wear a team polo. So you know who they are. <laughs> they want to make yeah. sure you know. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those things where like the more tournaments and games I played in and played against these really good players, I was holding my own and I was just as competitive and in, in, in doing things that, I maybe didn't even know I you know, had the capability of doing. And that you know, kind of helped me break out of my shell to just be who I really am, which is a really competitive guy at the end of the day. Uh, right. But, you know, and, they, and it only gets more and more. I went to, went to these camps and then got invited to a camp called the Pangos All-American Camp, yep. which is like a big, big West Coast one. And then I got invited to the MBPA Top 100 Camp, which is like you know, the one that the NBA puts on to, to host people. And I got to see NBA guys coaching me and like have this interaction and just have like my foot in the door to this space that I never thought was possible. And then from there, like I said, I'm just wildly competitive and, you know, almost naive to the fact that like these guys are supposed to be better than me and just go out there and play. You go to A&M, your dad's there, your mom's there, you grew up a fan. Is this a college 
career? Is this a college activity? Or when did you begin thinking about life beyond? Professional sports. Mm-hmm. I know you studied sports management. Or did you just feel like you wanted to be in, involved in sports and maybe follow in your dad's footsteps and, and you know, be at college or professional working in management? Man, to be honest, I, you know, the entry to college was like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, I was just excited to go play basketball. Like, if I'm being completely honest, school has never been a very high priority for me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Whether I I was going to be a professional athlete or not, my sisters still make fun of me to this day because I was the kid in high school who, like, didn't put stuff in binder and folders. I just like put loose papers in my backpack. <laughs> and, like, did just enough to get by and like made it work and kind of just freeballed it. But once I got to college, man, I was just, I was like, I knew, I knew my dad did the whole sports thing and, and sports management kind of fell into that same realm. And uh, I'm just, like I said, growing up, I played so many different sports and saw so many different sports being played that I was always just, I was always kind of pulled towards it. So I kind of thought I would start there. And from there, I just kept doing it because it was something that got me by and something I was somewhat interested in. But throughout the course of my college career, it just, I kept getting better and kept getting better. And then one of my assistants, Kyle Keller, who was, who was a head coach at SFA, he was the one who recruited me to A&M and he sat me down one day. He like did this really cheesy kind of mock up on a, on a piece of printer paper. And like half of it was like video games and like hanging out with my friends and, you know, stuff that was distracting from basketball. And then one side was like, you know, a private plane and uh, a big house and like other stuff that was like, basically like, if you take this seriously, like you can make a living off of it and you can, you can have a really good career. And he asked me, he's like, what do you want to do with basketball? I was like, I want to play in the NBA. And he's like, no, it's like, you have to be more, concrete about it he, and I told him I was like I want to play 10 years in the NBA I want to have a decade-long career like I feel like that'd be a really good goal to strive for and looking back on it now about to go into year seven and you know knock on wood you know stay healthy for as many years as I can and play like it looks like an attainable goal just a really really kind of cool full full circle moment yeah but yeah towards the end of my career I mean it was starting it was kind of like high school it was crazy how it the two kind of parallel where I just kept getting better and kept getting, you know, being competitive with myself. And then into my junior year, I have a really good game in the SEC tournament where we play Missouri and I had like a career game. Like I was like 28 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, like five steals. It was nuts. Played like the whole game. Then some discussions started happening from pro scouts, the same way it happened with, with the high school scene and kind of in turn the same thing. I, I went through my senior year, and now it was, you know, a real possibility to where I was going to be able to play professionally. Maybe not the mm. NBA, but at some level. Right. There was interest. And for me, that was music to my ears. Like, you tell me I can I can just play basketball and I don't have to, like, actually, you know, work, work. Like, I don't have to get a real <laughs> job. That sounds, sounds pretty good to me. I know your senior year, you guys were pretty darn good. You end up mm-hmm. getting a three seed in the NCAA tournament. What game do you remember the most from that senior year? I think it's a two-part answer because there's one answer that is the two Kentucky games, honestly. We played Kentucky at home, and we won on a tip-in, and I think it was an overtime. And that basically that win like got us a share of the regular season SEC title, so we all got a ring and, and got to cut down the nets on senior night. That was really cool. And then we played them again in the tournament, and it was like a redemption game. We were playing in – 
Nashville, I believe, you know, Kentucky's got like 11,500 of the 12,000 seats and we, <laughs> we got like 200 and then there's like a mix of just random people. And it was another one. I think we went to overtime or double overtime and it was just, there's such good games that I'll, I'll always like, I still have photographic memory of certain plays and certain events just because those games are so cool. And then, you know, first NCAA tournament game, we had the comeback against Northern Iowa that to this day, you know, is one of the most asked questions people ask me about. It's like, dude, you remember that game you had? It's like, yeah, no, I remember. Remember that time? Yeah, remember that thing you did? I was like, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was my life. I, uh, I lived it. But yeah, that, that comeback game to get us into the Sweet 16, it was probably, probably those two events. For those of you listening who don't remember or remember the specifics, 44 seconds left, they're down 12 points and end up coming back with a layup and a free throw at the buzzer, basically. Well, and um, people forget to just interject. We went to double overtime after that. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, you know, we didn't win the game. Like We just got to overtime, and then they kept throwing. It was just haymakers, <laughs> haymakers, haymakers. And then finally, they, they missed a couple shots late. But yeah, it was... It's nuts. The NCAA tournament is it gets so much attention. Yeah, it's highlighted. And that game for you, I still remember what an amazing game it was. What a wow. just an improbable comeback. And and your your obviously your play in that game. Do you think that game got people's attention? The broad answer is like, of course. Like that's right. that's just such a crazy turn of events. I mean, it's it's the greatest comeback mathematically greatest comeback in NCAA history um for sure the tournament if not the entire history of college basketball so like that's just insane to to start with but for me I mean it, it's it's kind of looking back on the NCAA tournament I thought I played decent in the first game thought I played really well in the Northern Iowa game kind of kind of helped us carry us to get to the end and then and then a couple of our other guys Daniel House and Jalen made some plays in the overtimes and then even then, I thought I played good the next the Sweet 16 game against Oklahoma. We just didn't play well as a team and, and came up short. But that's actually where I met, or at least my parents were introduced to my current agent, the agent I've had, Craig Lawrence, um, since I've been a professional, uh, was in Anaheim at the Sweet 16. So, I mean, mm. that, that might be the answer you right. know, in itself. Like that, <laughs> right. that, might, that might have been enough to be like, well, we might as well talk to the kid and talk to his parents and see what's, uh, see what's going on. But I feel like that, I don't know, it feels like the embodiment for me of like you and your identity, mm-hmm. that it's like, we're going to work hard, we're going to come back and manage to win in exciting fashion. It feels to me like that has to be a part of it in people's minds, whether they spe- remember the specifics of that game or not. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't I don't think you're off base at all. I think, I think a lot of you know, like you're like you're alluding to me getting to professional basketball. Even it, it's based off of me, you know, kind of that same attitude I had when I said I was almost naive to the fact that like these high school kids are supposed to be better than me, and I go in there and just compete and, and dig my way into you know a spot in Division One basketball. It's kind of the same thing. Like I just always have had this wildly competitive, you know, never say die. Like you, you, the game's got to end before you're going to beat me attitude and. Some of that I think I can attest to watching some A and basketball games growing up and just like I said, drinking the Kool-Aid. Like I think I think the saying is like we didn't lose the game, like time just ran out. You know, we ran right. out of time. Right. Right. And that was that was always my mentality. It was like, 
I'm going to, I'm going to fight. And even if, you know, you, you might, you might beat me, but, but as long as there's time on the clock, I'm going to make you work. You know, that's just kind of how I've always been. And I don't even think I really tapped into that until I got out of college to like have the awareness that I was that competitive and that almost to like lean into it and make it my advantage. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You get some attention, obviously, because of that and because of your play your last couple of years. Uh, you don't get, spoiler alert, I don't know if you remember what happened to you. You didn't get drafted <laughs> out of college. Good research, uh, good research. You you went, played for the 76ers in the summer league. Then Play is a generous word. I was on the team. Okay. Well, then you yeah. get a contract. How about that with the Thunder? <laughs> And then that, get that might there. be a good story to to tell. Actually, that yeah. people probably don't know is I went to so I went to summer league with 76ers. And I went to summer league, didn't play a lot, and even when I played, didn't play very well. Just a completely new new world, new you know, new basketball as far as systems and, and schemes and all that. So I had a learning curve to go through. And there was a week in August before that season that I 
had gotten an offer to go to Poland and play. Okay. That was like Monday. And then like Wednesday, my agent called me. It was like, there's a, there's a Euro cup team. Um, there's a German team. And he's like, I'm going to, I talked to the coach, this Canadian coach. I talked to him on Wednesday and then Friday I get a, another call from my agent and he's like, uh, Oklahoma city wants you to play on their G league team. You can sign exhibit 10, make some money here, play the whole, whole year in the G league. And so like in a week span, I went from Poland to, you know, six hours North to Oklahoma city. And I actually went up there, took a tour of the facilities, saw where I was going to live and all this. I was like, Oh, this is, this is pretty good. Like I, I could, I could, it's better than college. You know, like, <laughs> it, it's not great, but it's, it's better than living in with four other guys in an apartment. Um, and then from there, I I started my journey, and that was just unparalleled. I feel like in, in a week span, I went through a lot of different thoughts and emotions to to begin my professional career. For you, was it about playing basketball, or was it about making the NBA? I mean, it has to be about making the NBA. Yeah, that, but like, that's... would you have been content playing in the G League or the development league for an extended period of time? I mean, I, I, I kind of did, even with, okay. you know, I played the first year with the, the Oklahoma City Blue and then signed a two-way contract for two years with the Lakers. And majority of probably 50% of both years, I was in, in the G League playing. So it's hard to give an accurate answer to what I think I would be if I was just playing the G League for three years without the two-way contract and, it, and getting a taste at least. Because once, once I got a taste, it was kind of, you know, like I said, I have this weird there's these weird parallels from each kind of level of basketball in my life. Like once I got to the G league, I was like, Oh, okay. I'm just as good as all these guys. If not, I think I'm a little better than, than most of these guys. And then the next year I get into training camp again with the NBA team playing the summer league. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm definitely better than most of these guys. And then I get into the actual NBA games and I have a couple of plays where I'm like, Oh, I was like, I could, I could do this. Like, I just got to get a little bit better. I got to get a little bit better. And then, you know, now we're looking six years later, I'm first team all defense. I've wanted, I've been on a championship team. I wish I had more words to describe it other than just, it's not blind luck because I put a lot of work into it, but, but there's a lot of just, there's a lot of me just ignoring noise, you know, and just, just Mm -hmm. putting my head down and and competing and, and, and working really hard. And, you know, luck has found me in the process. I've read some comments that you made about Sam Presti, who obviously greatly mm-hmm. respected. Obviously, you made relationships there in Oklahoma City and, and other places. When you sign for the Lakers Summer League and end up with a two-way contract, you're still playing down. Is there something about the Lakers or the, the people there at the time where there was a shift for you that you began to feel like there may be a place for me here? Yeah, I mean the so the whole two way contract. Another another fun fact for anybody: I'm the first person to ever sign a two way contract in the NBA. Yeah. So put put that in your your next game night or your your uh, yeah. There you go. Your, your Sunday watching sports with somebody. The front the front office for the South Bay Lakers just had an you know unwavering love and, and appreciation for how I played basketball, and they were, they just they gave me all the confidence. My uh, my coach in in, in South Bay. Kobe Carl did the same thing where he he kind of recognized how good I could be and and he tried to get me to think in different ways that I wasn't you know I wasn't accustomed to which I think helped helped my development as well but the longer I played in LA especially once Bron got there 
his first year when I was on my second way of two, my, my second year of the two-way contract and I got time to be around him in games and in practices, I started realizing that, oh, I'm seeing, you know, some of the stuff that, that he's seeing. And then he kind of opened my eyes to other stuff that I wasn't seeing at the same time and understanding about the game. And then from there, my confidence just grows. You know, I, I had some really good games at the end of my first year on two-way contract. Kind of got cut in mud when I didn't get my two-way contract upgraded. But at the time, I didn't see the business of it. Why would you upgrade this guy when you can still get him for the same amount? You know, right. it's, it's just the business of basketball. And I got caught in mud a little bit at the beginning of my second year on the two-way when I was in the G League because I knew that I wasn't going to get any better playing in the G League. Like, I needed to play against guys in the NBA. I, I had gotten to that point where I was like, I need, I need live reps at that speed, that physicality, that intensity to get better. And then, like I said, me, me and LeBron had really good chemistry at the end of that first year. And I think that helped, you know, kind of get me back in the same spot. And then even then, like I had to, I had to kind of earn my way on that championship team. I got a DNP the first night of the season, didn't play a minute against the Clippers, just being a good teammate. And then from there, like, you know, kind of same thing I've always, I've always done. It sounds like a broken record, but I was just competed really hard and then just worked my way, took my five minutes in the game, turned it into eight minutes, turned that into 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we got to have this guy out on the court. He's helping us win games and he is helping our best players have success. So yeah, it was, it was a slow process, I think, for me to understand. But I think once I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, there's, there's a place for me uh, in the organization. You said something about LeBron helping you to see and feel and understand the game at that level in a new way. Is this, is it, are these conversations that happen often with LeBron and others about the game and how it's played? Yeah. And I, I, I think I wish I would have asked more questions, you know, looking back on it, I wish I would have tried to steal more, more knowledge and more stuff about him. But LeBron and Rondo, two of the smartest guys I've, I've ever played with, and, and probably ever will play with two basketball minds have been around. They know everybody's tendencies in the league. They know who likes to go left. They know who likes to go right. They know, they know everything. And that was something to me that I was like, Oh, there's a level of detail that you can go into that I'm capable of knowing as well, but I need to learn it. And I need to, I need to have, like I said, the reps and, and the years to gain it and then to, to solidify it. So it's just second nature, but then, just live action in game. There was a play I, I remember specifically. We played against Toronto in Toronto, and I ran a ball screen where he set it open side on the wing, and I came off. And I think it was Jeremy Lin guarding me, and I don't know who was on him, but he got clipped a little bit. I came off, hesitated, and then just walked to the front of the rim, the rim made a layup, got an and one, and he immediately like, uh, we're not making the playoffs. We got our two way guy playing with LeBron. LeBron's just playing because he he loves to play basketball at the end of the season. And the intensity of him telling me, like, you see what they're doing. They're not coming off of me. You can just walk to the front of the rim and shoot layups. And I was like, oh, you're right. Like, that. that's an in-game read where it's like just learning how teams are playing against you, how they, how they played him. And then once I realized, you know, the gravitational pull that he has on the basketball court from there, it was, it was easier for me to you know, decipher and make reads and make plays and put guys in positions before the play happens to take advantage of stuff. I'm asking because I'm truly, truly curious because you mentioned Rondo and you mentioned LeBron and these guys with one great basketball minds and experience in the league. How is the insight that they give you better or different than what a coach can see by studying film? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just experience, you know, being in the fire, being in the moment. Yeah, because there's court. a certain there's a certain difference of what you're thinking about, how you're physically moving through the play and through the action, than than just what you know the the coach sees on the sideline and can tell you what to do. It's not to say that the coaches aren't more than capable. We had a we have a great staff, but there's a difference between being on the court and and seeing it and feeling it. And understanding, you know, how fast, you know, the desperation this guy has to not let me get the ball. It's like, okay, I'm going to come up and I'm going to tell him, hey, next time I'm going to fake and I'm going to go back door and it's going to be wide open. Coach might not be able to see that or feel that versus you being in the in the fire, in, in the heat of the battle and, you know, feeling the momentum of the court and how the game's moving. There's a lot of discussion, I feel like, in football about schemes how an offensive coordinator works, what their plan is, defense, the same thing, having to make that adjustment. Is that similar, do you think, in basketball? I mean, I feel like what people think about in basketball is like you got game or you don't, and you can more easily walk into another system. But how how have you found or or watched with other guys coming in and and trying to learn a different offense or a different a different way of approaching the game? Yeah, no, I think I think to the untrained eye, it looks like basketball is just go out there and, and make more shots or put up more than points the other team, right? Than the other team, but, but that's just the all star games. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's just, just that's the all star pick games. up at your local lifetime. Like the, there's right. there's so much detail in in timing that go into the schemes of basketball that that people just they probably don't see as much because there's less players, you know, which which right. is kind of a you know, it's kind of almost backwards. You'd think it'd be easier to see with less players. But football, they have such defined roles too. Like, you know, the linemen are going to block and there's different schemes for them to move. You know you know what the quarterbacks are going to do with the timing of the receivers and stuff like that. But for basketball, it's just, it's so free-flowing. You have to understand what you're trying to do to such a, such a high level that you're not thinking while you're out there playing. Because if you're out there thinking while you're playing in the NBA, you're you're getting beat because guys are too good. They're too fast. They're too athletic. They're too smart. It's the peak of professional basketball. It's so detailed. People don't really understand. And it's probably hard to have that conversation unless you have a certain level of basketball intelligence because there's just, you know, you'd have to break down so much and and talk about so many things and it just moves so fast, man. People don't realize how fast the NBA game moves. You know, it, it looks slow on TV and the guys don't look that big. They're monsters out here that are moving. Oh, it's, oh, it, oh, so yeah. You, you get in the building and you see it instantly. How That's fast, f- how physical. Yeah. Yeah. The speed of it's yeah, how fast, how physical. And, and people don't realize the size of some of these guys that are moving around. That's, that's the number one thing that people tell me when they see me, when they've never met me before and they recognize me. Like, oh, wow. I didn't know you were that tall. So, yeah. I'm, I'm six four, six five, and I'm the small guy. Like that's <laughs> you look that's, small to me. Yeah, yeah. You look small to me. <laughs> so like, I, can take him. I can take him. Yeah, I, I got that guy. Just give, give him my yeah, fadeaway, fadeaway jumper. Um, when you're watching a game on TV, are you breaking it down? Are you looking and watching at what they're trying to do to the other players? Yeah, I can't watch for like pure entertainment anymore. I just yeah. my brain doesn't work like that. Like I've lost the ability to just sit down and 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 watch a basketball game. All I do right. is see see the flaws of 
what they should be doing, knowing actually like what teams like to run in certain plays and being like, uh, defense didn't push them to the right spot. It's, it's very analytical, but that's kind of my job. So I, do you put yourself there? Like, are you like, okay, I'm him. And imagine yourself moving within either an offensive or a defensive play. Do you go that far? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Especially yeah. defensively, just because that's kind of how my brain's wired. I get really upset watching certain guys in the league because they they do their patent move, whatever it is. You know, I know that if they're in their left hand, they're gonna go between the legs and step back, or if it's in their right hand, they're gonna go downhill. And I'm like calling it out. I'm like, he's he's gonna go right, he's gonna go right. And then the guy gets blown by right. And it's just it's it's hard to watch. But that's that's the the perfectionist and the competitor in me. It was like I just don't see anything else. Uh, by 2019, you're playing pretty damn well. You are the only other Laker besides Mr. James to get a game 30 points, 10 rebounds, five <laughs> yeah. assists. Did you feel walking into Staples Center how much everybody loved you? Uh, yeah, for sure. 100%. Why did they? Aside from the fact that you're well, good. Just to start... Staples Center is is like Staples Center and and the Garden. Those two places, it's it's different than everywhere else because they it's almost like the court is lit up, you know, like like a like a like a performance, you know, like it's a stand up comedy special or it's a uh, it's a concert. Like it's dark, it's dark in the crowd. All the lights are pointing towards there, and there's this atmosphere about it that that just makes it special to begin with. So that that already you know, gets the juices flowing as a basketball player in general. And, and then I'm fighting for my life at this point, right? I'm on, I'm on two way contract And the way that I viewed it. Like a lot of guys, you know, they might get a two way contract or they might get, you know, the, the, even the first deal I got in LA, it was a two year, five and a half million dollar deal. I had, I had the awareness to understand like, this isn't a guarantee into the league. Like this is still like, you get, you gotta, you gotta prove it contracts. And so every time I played, like I already have the mindset of being super competitive just because I like to play like that. And I just love basketball. But now I have like almost a back against the wall mentality going into it as well to where it's like, all right, I have to perform or else I'm not going to be here. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to have a job. And you mix those two things together and you, you just had you had me playing it at a high level that I think a lot of NBA players don't play at every night. And I was taking advantage of guys taking plays off. And then even once, you know, I had the reputation, I think it was still like a, there was a lot of guys in the league that didn't believe that I could play a little bit. And it was still one of those, okay, you got to prove it things. And so my motivation just kept moving and changing. And, and I think, you know, Lakers fans are one of the more spoiled fan bases in pro sports <laughs> with as much success as they've had, you know, but they, they have high expectations and, they just you know, we talk about a and we drink the Kool-Aid Lakers fans drink the Kool-Aid hard and and they are they if you go out there and you play to win and you play and you play hard they just have a certain appreciation for it and this was you, you got to remember the time this was for the franchise right this is coming off of after Kobe left um, there wasn't a lot of success they had young players and they were trying to find teams it was it was a really low period they're bringing big names, Bron's in, AD's in, Rondo's in, Dwight, all these guys, the whole the whole team. And then you had me that was just, you know, kind of sprinkled in there on top. And it's like, who's this? Who's this crazy 
white guy that's out here just running around dunking on people, <laughs> getting steals, like playing with this fiery energy. In my opinion, I think I represented, you know, what a winning culture and, and winning is about. And I think that they they recognized that and appreciated it. Yeah, it was it was certainly fun. You win the championship in mm-hmm. 2020 with the Lakers. Unfortunately, not in front of that Staples Center crowd. Yeah, still mad we didn't get a parade. Uh, yeah, Dude, that's, that's true. That's, it's probably that's, good we did it, to be honest. That's, yeah, that's probably, been, that's probably okay. Yeah. yeah. What was that feeling like for you? Oh, man, I haven't experienced anything like it. It's just the euphoria, the relief. I think those two words probably describe it the most. But, you know, the sense of accomplishment, like there is there is nothing quite like it. And I didn't understand it. Like I had guys on the team, you know, obviously Bron had won, Rondo had won, Danny Green, um, a couple other guys. And they just talked like there's nothing like winning a championship. There's nothing like winning a championship. And like you hear it, but you don't know until you're present in that moment. And you've been locked in for four series in a row, which is just such an emotional and, and stressful toll on you mentally. And, you know, and then you get to the physical part where it's just such intense, fast, strong, physical basketball. I mean, going through all those rounds those yeah. playoff rounds of high intensity, no plays off. Are you in pain? Oh, for sure. You're 100%. in pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's that's part of like, like what you said, like when I said there's relief and euphoria, it's that sense of relief of like, oh my gosh, it's over. And oh my gosh, we did it. Because it's like, I don't have to, I don't have to try and block out this, you know, this wrist injury and my knee hurting that that's been that's been bugging me for the last two weeks. You, you just got to turn a blind eye to it and just act like it's not there because you're trying to win. I think we won, and then afterwards we all there was like a little restaurant in the middle of the Disney property that that we hosted everybody that was still in the bubble. And I remember walking around and I was, uh, my legs were so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I was so tired and I was so excited. It was just such like I was just battling myself. But man, nothing nothing like winning a championship. Nothing like being the last person standing. No, you know, nothing else anybody can say like you you've won. Nothing like that and I'm I'm chasing that desperately now. It's something that I I, I need to get need to get that feeling back again. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because in a way, I think for for that Lakers team who you mentioned there had been a number of years since Kobe had left and the last few years he was there where there had not been a lot of winning. It felt like the joy was back both at Staples center and from the team itself having won, and you being a two way G G league player you know, mm-hmm. who has come in and made such a meaningful contribution to that is a huge part of why there was joy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure everyone that's won a championship or, or won a championship, like your phone afterwards is blown up with people congratulating you from every walk every walk of life. And that was something for me that was just really cool that I remember being really present for was so many different walks of life and people that you know, had no, no expectation of me making it to the NBA and winning a championship that were just so happy for me. And, and it was just so cool to see, you know, even people from, from high school, um, to, you know, AAU college, 
people that so awesome. you know, family friends, family friends we had grown up with that that I that I know just that were so happy for me. And it wasn't like you could tell it wasn't, oh my gosh, so happy for your, you know, basketball accomplishment. It was just like, we're so happy for your success, you know, as an individual. And and that made it, you know, that made it even a little more a little more special for me. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zen.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You mentioned before that it's a business. Why do you feel like the Lakers after that championship didn't just try to bring it all back? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever actually thought, like, took in the time and sat down and thought about it because, like you said, it's just, you know, everything's on go where you got to move. And like you said, once I left, I was all in in Chicago and, and trying to focus on that. But, we had a couple of older guys on the team, but, but the mm-hmm. amount of people that didn't come back was probably more surprising to me just because I thought they were, I, I thought they were still really good pieces that, you know, you, you need on a championship team that, that I thought they could, they could use from that team. But, but that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, 
I think it's more uncommon for teams to stay together like that just because of, like you said, the business of it. Once you win, everybody gets paid. That's kind of how it is in the NBA. Like win, winning, winning gets you paid. So I know I, I got a new deal out of that. I want to say Rondo got a deal out of that. JaVale got, mm-hmm. a, got more money out of that. Everybody got somewhat upgraded, you know, for whatever point in time they were in their career. I think that was just kind of the move that, that management decided to make. I wish, I wish that'd be a great fly on the wall question for, for them. If anybody ever gets to interview them to, to figure out why, but yeah, we were obviously bummed too. Cause we, we had such, we had such good team chemistry. Like uh, mm. we, we did multiple team events where, you know, one through 15 were there and that's, that's not as, uh, not as common in, in the, you know, current NBA landscape with just how many different moving pieces there are and people and interests. So it, it was, it was unfortunate to see because, you know, we were all excited because we just won two months later, you know, we didn't even get a full off season to enjoy it. And then it's new team, new season go. So that, that was a little disappointing, but you know, I, I think I'd, you know, I'd trade the championship and being on, on that team than, you know, four more years with no championship. Right. Your current team, the bulls, you signed a contract with, you've been a force for them. NBA all defensive first team this year. Why is defense? You mentioned it before when you were watching games. Why is that so important for you? Are you just better than everyone else? Well, that that's part of it. It's like I'm really good at it. Like it's 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 kind of an it's it's a natural trait for me. I've always been, you know, pretty good at anticipation and seeing plays before they happen in basketball. But okay. I think there's a big influence on it with like some of my early basketball coaches. Billy Gillespie, there's a name for you that coached at Texas A&M. Yep. Um, that his teams were just so tough. You know, that was back when college basketball games were like maxing out at 50, 55 points. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. It was like a 48, yeah, 43, yeah. yeah. Like when A&M beat Texas, I want to say it was like 46, 43. Um, yeah. AC Law hit this like final shot. And so that, that, that kind of grit and toughness and defensive mentality I, I saw firsthand because I was a ball boy and, and I was like literally watching it courtside. And then my high school coaches, Rusty Siegler and uh, Rick German, were both in the passing lane. We hold guys to 50 points. We're going to win the game, coaches. And so for me, I always just kind of naturally, um, you know, follow, followed obviously coaching, but was trying to win games. And that was the recipe they set up for us. So I went for it. Yeah. I mean, there was a point. There was a point in time. I remember going to a, a Texas A&M elite basketball camp when I was in sixth grade for like sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and I was so nervous. I was like, I had never done anything like this and played with like really, really good players. And I was still, I was still, I was a skinny kid. I hadn't really hit a growth spurt yet, and I remember trying to guard guys and just, just getting torched. Like it was bad, and. I think from there, that's when I kind of got really competitive with it, where I was like, all right, I can't do that again. Like, I can't have that feeling of embarrassment again. Have I ever told you my embarrassing basketball story? No, I'd love to hear it. I feel like it's going to be a good one. It still sticks with me to this day. So I went to elementary and junior high school, but it ended in eighth grade. And there was another school that I knew at that point I would be attending the next year mm-hmm. for ninth grade high yeah. school. Now it went elementary school through high school, by the way, Westminster schools in Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out. 
and I'm playing the, I am the starting center for, I guess I, 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 you know, when I talk to athletes, when did you, when did you grow? When did you, when were you one of the tall kids? I, I think starting in high school for me, like, I think, I think my freshman year, I had three months where I grew an inch, like September, October, November. Yeah. I think I, I think I was, er, I think I must've right, been early. early. Yeah. Cause I was, I was the center. I, I mean, I am like six, two, six, three. I, 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 but I th- feel like I was that tall then. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I didn't dunk even then. Let's be clear. But I yeah, was yeah. the center. I was playing against the school. So all the guys out there, eighth grade or, you know, junior high yeah, team. Yeah. And there's a free throw happening. And, uh, uh I kind of feel like I know where this I, is going. I'm, I'm there in the lane. They're shooting yeah. a free throw. Yep. And I don't know where my brain went, but I, he misses. I jump into the lane. Great rebound. And I felt like without even touching the ground, I put it right back up and in. <laughs> Yeah. For them. Yeah. Because they were shooting the free throw. Mm-hmm. And it was, my memory is so clear still of like, yes, mm. to like, what did I just do uh, in like a millisecond? It yeah, happened, that's so But tough. I felt the yes at first and then saw one face and then saw laughter from their know. team. And I was like, oh, my God. And then just running back the court to go on offense, even though I just scored, (laughs) just feeling like feeling like I imagine you if somehow one of those dreams, right, where you end up naked at school or something, Mm -hmm. just feel like running back down the court. Like, what did I just do? That's probably one of the more common middle school basketball plays i think that is it i think that happens a lot more often than you think i oh, I, man it feels like i'm the only one that i ever feel has like done i've it. seen plenty of those but yeah that's <laughs> a that's a tough one i'm not gonna lie that's a tough one i, I don't even have words from condolence it's just you know next play <laughs> yeah well that's the only thing you can do is just keep going yeah I no, that it. really is it really is you just have to ignore it i did it Home game, laughter. I mean, adults laughing at at me as an eighth grader. Yeah, that's traumatizing. That's on the side, just laughing. (laughs) It's awful. Just awful. If you play, you play the game long enough, you're going to get embarrassed eventually. Really? What's the most embarrassed you've ever been? Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I airballed a free throw in high school. That's not that. I don't really get embarrassed too much anymore because there's kind of like that chip on my shoulder of like. Even if it's one play, like last year, Jalen Brunson crossed me bad, like probably the worst one I've had in a while. Ooh, like, like an I ankle touched, breaker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I touched earth and and it was like the end of the game. It was a, it was like a dagger shot where it was just like, ah, that one sucked. But then I was just like, yeah, well, I'm guarding the best players in the league night and night out. I'm going to get embarrassed probably once a night. It might not be as bad as that, but like there's going to be one play where it's like they make a really good move and the crowd just goes, Ooh, and I'm just, Ooh. yeah, yeah I'm just that, like that one. Dude, I got, I got such short term memory now. Like that stuff doesn't really even phase me. It's more so just like, all right, let's make sure we don't compound these uh, mistakes and get more oohs and ahs. The ones that I feel like elicit laughter ish in a stadium now, like when I'm there, 
would be would be if and if you ever done this and I'm not talking about one that's contested that's that's different and sometimes people laugh at that and I'm like shut up you can't even dunk is a wide open Miss back it. rim dunk no oh, like a dunks. like a just just but I mean like a breakaway yeah, and you yeah, see yeah. it occasionally and just, just tries like, to go way too hard and back rim into the off. stands yeah. yeah always like that would be have you done that I I haven't done that. I'm gonna knock on wood too, because I'm gonna mess around and do this this year. No. I I miss. <laughs> I haven't done that professionally. No. I don't think, but I've had. Okay. I mean, I've had. I've had something along those lines where, like, there was a game in college where I was actually had a really good game, and this was like late in the game. I get a breakthrough uh, steal, and I'm going down, and I just took off just a little too far away, a little too far <laughs> away for what time of the time of the game it was, and I got hung, and I was just like, ah, just you know, just immediate defeat luckily it was at home so like i didn't get i didn't get clowned too hard and we ended up winning so i didn't, I didn't was it like a it. front a front rim jam, jam job yeah like i just i just babied it and didn't didn't finish it all the way and just like <laughs> one of those ones where like it halfway rolls on the rim and rolls back yeah it was it was not great you've been called the most underrated player in the nba is that true i don't think so i think i am probably a little underrated but I mean, there are guys that people don't talk about that are still my two my two go to guys who were like most underrated before this last year, which I don't think I can count them as underrated anymore because they both got all NBA selections. Was uh, Drew Holiday and Shea mm-hmm. Gildas Alexander? Mm-hmm. Because man, those those guys just they they Drew Holiday is just a super complete basketball player. Like he he if he wanted to be, he could be first team all defense every single year. He just has to score twenty points and give you know dish out eight assists a night, which he does. Right. And then Shea, man, I mean, he he once he got traded to Oklahoma City, that almost like jump started his career. You don't see a lot of news out of OKC over the last couple of years, just because they've been kind of average and and it's Oklahoma City, so it's a small market as it is. But he he man, he he doesn't predetermine anything. He just makes reads on offense and then sneaky good hands on defense. He, he's a really good player too. Uh, last season, you played more than you ever had, more minutes, more starts, more games. Do you think you're going to break that this year? Yeah, I think I do. I think I can do it pretty easily, to be honest. You know, I say easily. Easily is a relative term because it's a really, really hard thing to do. I think I played 67 games last year, and I missed, I missed a, a handful because of my foot and then a couple others just for miscellaneous stuff. But I think I think a 70-plus game season is very doable. And then, I mean, the, the, the minutes and the starts kind of have to deal with how our season goes with personnel. You know, like mm-hmm. if, if Lonzo is here, I probably don't have as many starts as, as I do now. But, I mean, all those all those things is just being prepared and being, being ready for my opportunities is called. And that's kind of what my – Kind of what my whole career has been based on just when the opportunity is ready or it arises that, that that I'm ready to go. Caruso, the bald eagle, bald mama, b- mamba. mamba. <laughs> uh, even LeBron called you the goat. Do you have a favorite nickname? Uh, I'm a really I'm a really big fan of Caruso. I think that one's I think that one is is the most uh, most fluid and and also just uh, I really like the. Uh, I like the name you and i we have something in common we have a lot of memes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we do 
Yours are a little more iconic, I think, but but I mean, I'm. How do you feel about it? I I think it's fun, man. I I mean, hopefully you know now. We, we we've had a couple of conversations. Like I'm I'm a pretty easygoing guy. My uh, yeah. I got a group text with a handful of buddies from from when I grew up, and our love language is making fun of each other. Like that's yes. that's that's how you know. Like we're we're checked in and we we care about each other. It's like <laughs> they keep me very humble. We'll we'll keep it at that. Yeah, uh, they still treat me like I'm, you know, their their friend from fifth, sixth grade. But yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, I'm, I've said this before. Like, I'm seeing the the memes and and the videos. You know, they're sending them to the group chat before I I even have a chance to see them firsthand. So <laughs> they they do a good job of keeping it light. But I also I also prefer it that way. How's the golf game? Man, the golf game is actually it. It, it took a really really big step forward this summer. Um, I got oh. into I got into my club Spanish Oaks in Austin. I got I got hot into June, beginning of July, which makes me even more upset. I, I couldn't play in the tournament this year. I had a I had a buddy get married on that Saturday. Oh no! Yeah, dude, just just it still hurts to talk about. Why was, did was, you go to the wedding? A wedding is it, come is, on. Yeah, I know. Looking back on it, I maybe should have flipped a coin. But he he's been a good friend of me for a long time, so I. I I felt I needed to to represent him very well and be there. Did you stand up at the wedding? I had a good time. No, I wasn't in the wedding. wasn't in the wedding. Oh, you just attended? Yeah, Jeez. I know. I'm, I'm a nice guy. But golf, golf game, man, we, we had a stretch into June, beginning of July, where I think I got my handicap down to a three. And it was it was, it was Sounds a, like you and I need a, to play. It was, I like yeah. that. It was. I a, like that number. <laughs> it needs to get updated because I uh, I played in this live pro am event last Thursday and uh, I had a good day, but it wasn't it wasn't anywhere in three territory. Well, best of luck. Games starting in the association coming up here just about a month, the end of October. Best of luck to you this year. Best of luck to the Bulls. You gonna make the playoffs this year? Yeah, I have to. Have to, not an option. Should have made it last year. We we gave away a lot of games, so we 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 should have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder and, and definitely get there. If we're not, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hibernating because I'm I'm just pissed and embarrassed and upset. So, <laughs> well, good. I don't want you hibernating. See you in the playoffs, Brian. <laughs> I don't want you. I don't want. I don't want you hibernating. <laughs> I'll see you in the playoffs, if not before. I'll uh, I'll try to make it there. To Chicago and and see you uh, see you play a home game. Thanks for coming on. And seriously, good luck this year. Let's make uh, let's make all NBA defense again. All right. That's always the goal, man. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, bud. Alex. Thank you so much for coming on here and showing me what you're all about. Not that great. Uh, I can't wait to watch you this season as always. And here's hoping that you and the Bulls make the playoffs this year. Uh, great news, everybody. Breaking news here on Off the Beat. If you haven't heard, the writer's strike is over. That's right. The WGA reached a deal with the studios. So now the writers of all of your favorite movies and television shows, they're now going to be back creating content while being fairly compensated for all their work. It is important to note, however, that my union, SAG-AFTRA, just yesterday 
after two months on strike, it should be noted, began negotiations with the studios on their new contract. Now, my hope is that the two sides can come to a fair resolution in a timely manner. The time is now to get all of Hollywood back to work. So here's hoping that the studios take all of the issues seriously and they negotiate in good faith and that an agreement is close at hand. Now, I know we've talked a lot about that here on the podcast, so I wanted to give you that a very exciting update with a word of caution that we're all not quite out of the woods yet. Stay tuned for hopefully very soon more good news. Oh, and one more piece of good news for you. I'll be back next week for another episode of Off the Beat. Until then, everybody, have a great week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahin. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.